Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, happy Sunday, and we're back live from Sunny Slope, Arizona, where it's absolutely beautiful this morning. Uh, we've got three lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow. If you're doing something fun, different at home, well, not everything, but if you're doing something fun, growing things, or if you can enlighten us a little bit, we're all here to learn as well. Uh, give us a call. Uh, next up, Scott and Scott Stale. Hello, Scott. Hey, how you doing? Thank you very much for taking my call. So you own the town, huh? Usually I do. It's my town. <laughs> I just had a couple of questions. We just recently bought a new house in Scottsdale, and they had a bunch of honeysuckles planted um, on the back of the property between the pool and stuff. And they, when they would get above the edge of the wall, they would start dying down because it was too hot. So we ended up moving them, and now and now they're not doing well. So I don't know if they should be cut way, way back to give them a chance to grow or, or just leave them alone. Uh, how long ago did you move them? Um, and we moved them in October. And they're still alive? You're doing okay. <laughs> You're not doing too bad. Um, so they're just bony on the bottom and have foliage on top? Is that it? Yeah, they did, they did flower out a little bit. One, one has some, it isn't doing it as well. It has leaves on it, but it's... It's just not doing that great. I just don't know what the best thing is to hack them back. And well, have, have you fed them at all, work. Scott? No, that that was my next question. Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd go ahead and feed them right now. Um, you planting them up against the wall? Are you going to try and keep them, you know, flat against the wall, or how are you going to try and grow them? What form? They're near a wall. They're about three or three feet away from a wall. Okay, so what you, was you, at that wall? What was, what was at that wall? We replaced. We put in thirty orange jubilees. Okay. Um, and I need to fertilize those. Those were also we'll put in at uh, the same time in October. Yeah, and those those, those are really crank. So, you know, if you want to prune those back, it's not going to hurt them. Is there any foliage down by the ground on the Cape no, honeysuckles? Not at all by the ground. No. Um, so, what I would recommend is maybe leaving one long shoot up out of the top, pruning the rest of it back, and see if it doesn't generate some new foliage by the bottom. Um, if you take away all of its ability to feed itself, i.e. take off all of its foliage, it's going to have a harder time and come back slower. So if you can leave some foliage on them when you prune them, your chance of them coming back are better. Okay. What, what's the best fertilizer to be using for these types? What's the, what's the well, best I mean, fertilizer? Just like a 10-10-10 is as good as anything. Even even if you have 21-7-14 lawn fertilizer that's got iron and sulfur in it, that's pretty darn good for here in the valley as well. Okay. And, and I'm having a controversy with watering. I had this I had Scottsdale water come and t- look at the property. They're like, oh, this time of year you should be watering every six days for two hours. And then my landscaper comes and he's like, no, 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 no. you got to water them every other day for uh, for a half hour. You know, I would really trust the city of Scottsdale on that one. No, I know, I know. That's, that's the right advice. <laughs> Okay. No, I, I I wanted to hear it from somebody else because well, Scott's, Scott's I I have a good friend at, at City of Scottsdale. In fact, I was, I was when I was driving to the studio this morning, he was walking his grandson dog going mountain climbing, and uh, the, he he led City of Scottsdale parks and recs and everything else. And you know, I'll tell you what, if, if a city's going to get it right when it comes to watering and things, listen to Scottsdale. 
Okay, that's all. That's why I had one my next question. So, so I'm available those orange honeysuckles just because they're still green and just give them some fertilizer. You know, I would because here's the thing: if they'll pop out, if they're getting enough light down by the base and they pop some new growth at the base, you know, then you could cut mm-hmm. them off and they'll grow back up. But if you're going to cut them down to just bare sticks and they're in transition and they're having a you know, hard time anyway, uh, that wouldn't be very good. And um, you know, truthfully, that what watering, you know, every six or seven days, once a week is ideal, even for those plants that are newly planted. But you do want to combine that water and put it together, and that flushes the salts down deeper, and then uh, they'll retain in the soil. Where, where do you live in Scottsdale, Scott? Uh, Greyhawk. Okay, so that that would be fine with your soil. So that 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 every you know six days something like that. That's that's more than adequate right now. The only thing that might be different is if we get over 115, then just throw an extra irrigation in. Then then okay. go twice a week. And then if to it's fertilize. Wrong. How how often should we? We want the, we want these orange jubilees to grow as fast as they can without hurting. Them. Well, and, and it's going to get warm. You you can fertilize them lightly once a month. Be careful though not to fertilize like around the fifteenth of June when it gets really hot. That's when you can burn things terribly. So right. if you'd feed them now one time again, you know this time in May, I think it'd be good for a while. Okay, great. Because we had, we hadn't fertilized them yet. We wanted to, we didn't want to burn the little roots, so we left them alone. Okay. All right. In moderation cool. is the key. Don't That's give it. them a whole bottle of tequila. Just a shot. I know, no. So ten, ten, ten. Thank you very much. I appreciate Thanks, the help. Scott. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, Matt and Chandler. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Brian. Question for you. I've got a Chinese elm that actually I've grown from a seed. It's about eighteen years old. Um, it's really large now. Twelve probably 12 inch uh, trunk and uh it's created a common problem where the one of the roots started lifting the block fence um separating me from my neighbor so what i've done is you know dug down i found a large very large like six to eight inch root going through cut out a section of it on my side of the fence uh, I was worried about losing the tree, but it seems to be doing just fine. I did this back in January when it was dormant. Um, my question is, short of going on the other side of the property and and digging and cutting that root out, um, is there some way I can just kill that root? I mean, it's still still there. It's pretty labor-intensive to dig down and get this thing out of there. So, Matt, the root is still attached to the tree? No, no, no. So on my side of the property, I cut a section of this root out. Oh, okay. So you you, so it, you severed the root. It's separated from so, the tree. Yeah. yeah. So then there's there's no problem. The root, if it's covered up, doesn't come in contact with the surface, will die. Okay, because it's it's shooting sprouts up. So I was thinking. Well, if, on well, your side or the other side? On my side. Okay. So you've got to cut it down to where it's below grade. Or where it's coming up, where the sprouts are coming up, just let those grow up. Let them get to four or five feet, a big cluster of them, and spray them with some mm-hmm. glyphosate, okay, which is like Roundup. Mm-hmm. Though you could be brush killer or whatever, but it's going to be glyphosate. And you spray it on the actively growing foliage, and it goes back into the root and kills it. Okay. But they're okay. So the root will eventually die since it's well. The root will die. Well, no, <laughs> that root's still alive. Like it's like its own, you know, self-propelled unit. It's it's like to make its right. own new tree right there. Okay, so where that growth's coming up off the root, let it get some size to it because that's all just on your side of the fence, right? Right. 
So let it get some size to it, make like a small bush, and then spray it with some glyphosate. And that's systemic, and it goes down and will kill the root. Then the whole root will, will die. But what what happened, the reason why the... Yeah, and why the root regenerated is because you had part of it exposed to the surface. So the other thing is gotcha. if you if you cut it off down below grade and covered it up so there was no you know way for it to hit the surface, then it will die too. But everything okay. in everything in nature wants to live, you know, and it's it's making a vigorous attempt at coming back. So if you want to stop it, let it let it puff out and have a party for a little while, get some foliage on, then spray it with glyphosate. That will kill it. Excellent. Thanks, Matt. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Joe on Surprise. But after Joe, it's wide open. If you've never called the Whitfield Nursery Garden show before, sure is back here smiling and waiting for you. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm calling because I have... Uh, a cactus problem in the front of my house. Uh, the arms seem to be dying out. I've done trimming on it, and uh, I get, I'm getting new growth. I, I just don't understand why the uh, the cactus arms are, are, are just dying out. Well, Joe, you know, about three years ago, if the cactus was old, and that's when it really started failing, we had the worst drought the hottest month in the history uh-huh. of the valley. Okay, so we had that August where it was over 110, many days 115, and up to 120 with absolutely no humidity. And a big percentage of like the golden barrel cactus around town just died. But a lot of other cactus here were compromised by the weather. And uh, you might have some damaged arms and things that were compromised at that time. And you could prune it back and, and, and fix it. Um, but in, in general, Joe, if you'd want to give it a little water once in a while and perhaps even feed it, something we probably normally aren't accustomed to doing with a cactus, uh, uh-huh. it will respond and come back much better. Okay. Now, then in my backyard, I, I got giant cactuses, but uh, eight to ten feet tall. Mm-hmm. The arms. <laughs> I don't know how how that was planted a few years ago. I, I, my other plant was taken out because it, it was dying. So they put in this cactus. I've never seen a cactus like this with all the uh, arms going up in the air, and uh, it's uh, it's so high. Uh, I I just don't. Well, many of our cirrus and different things can grow up. uh, There's one they even call African giant, you know, so Argentine giant. But um, so they they grow, you know, it depends on what they are. It depends on, you know, how happy they are if they get the right amount of water and things. And and sometimes even when we're not watering them, they they get a root through the neighbor's yard and they've got a little shrub there and they're picking up the extra water. Oh, and there's uh, some... uh, That's done. Yeah, so that, that that tends to you know encourage growth. I see. Real good. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. Have a nice day. Right. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, let's see. We're gonna take a short break. We're gonna come back with Lori and Dave. Then we've got a couple lines available. A number to call: six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTR. Brian and Shearer here every Sunday morning from seven to nine a.m. on ninety two point three FM KTAR. Smoked in the house, burnt holes in the couch, lipstick circled butts in the ashtray. She saved in Folgers cans, swore credit was a scam, bought everything at Sears on layaway. She was Ford over a Chevy, 
We better get to the lines. Let's see. Next, we have Lori and Mesa. Hi, Lori. Hi. I have a mature fig tree, and when would be a good time for me to trim it or prune it back, and what, how do I know which one's to prune? Well, the best time to prune it would have been when it was dormant back in January. <laughs> you can okay. do some moderate January. pruning to slow it down this time of year. So if you want to prune some of the larger branches back that are growing and expanding out just to keep it slowed down, uh, you know, go ahead and prune away. And do do it right away, sooner better than later. Um, you know, fig season, the fruit's going to be here ready, you know, before you know it. So, but I would keep it just controlled enough right now to not let it get real wild. And then next year in January, butcher it. Okay. And then do you recommend fertilizer, a fertilizer? I've never done that before. Probably doesn't need it. You know, do you have flood irrigation or how's it get watered? No, I don't water it. He, he um, gets water off my orange juice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like it's a pretty happy fig, and when the figs get happy, they get big. So. Uh, yeah, he's almost as tall as my house. Okay. Okay. So just prune prune the ends of it all. You know, kind of stop it from growing right now, and that that'll slow it down and make it denser, and then uh, butcher it in January. All right. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lori. Bye bye, uh, Dave and Goodyear. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, I got a tropical bird of paradise, and about three, four years ago, it bloomed, and it was just gorgeous. I had like seven, you know, little birds on it. And ever since then, <laughs> it, that's it. it, it you know, it, it, it's about nine, ten years old. And uh, what what should I feed it, or and when should I feed it, or what can I do to get it to flower again? Well, to encourage more flower, is it being shaded by something else? Yes, I've got it underneath my orange tree. Okay. So, and you know. It's the early morning sun. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to prune up that side, and if it's on the east side, because it's getting early morning sun, prune up that side of the orange tree away from it and give it more okay. sunlight, that's going to help it more than anything. And then the best fertilizer okay. to encourage blooming is Super Bloom. <laughs> and it's just high phosphorus fertilizer. You could use bone meal or 20-20-20 or, or zero forty five zero would would work very well, too. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it needs more sunlight, Dave. So just prune up that side of the tree, and it's not going to hurt the citrus because it's on the east side. So prune up the citrus okay. tree high enough so it gets some more light, and it'll probably bloom for you this summer. 
Okay. I used to have it right in more sun, and then I moved it under my being in a tropical. I thought, well, maybe it needed a little more shade. And now it, it also gets watered when my orange tree gets watered. So, and I thought, well, gee, you know, I don't think that's too much water. No, uh, that wouldn't be too much water. It's just a matter, Dave, that it doesn't have as much sun. Okay. All right. Well, then I will trim that up some more. Or you can move uh, it I back to where it was in the sun. <laughs> well, yeah, I could do that, too. Yeah. That, that yeah. would probably fix the problem even easier and not have to trim the orange tree. Okay. All right. Thanks, All right, Dave. Well, that I, I, I've got a second question, yes, if sir. I may. Uh-huh. I've got a lemon, I got a lemon tree, and the suckers that come up from the side of the trunk, not from the ground, but mm-hmm. from the side of the trunk, can I let them grow and, and produce new branches and, and new fruit? You can. You can they they're they're called like a water sprout. No, if they come up through on the inside of the tree, um, you know, they'll come up and, and they can produce new fruit. Now, they're not going to produce any fruit this year because they're not going to make a time in, to bloom in the bloom cycle. Uh, but they well, will produce, yeah, they'll I'll produce really fruit next year. What you want to do is just make sure, though, that you have, we get the very best quality fruit in our lemon trees on the interior portion of them. So we don't want okay. them too dense, you know. And so sometimes we get those shoots, and if we had the time to hand prune them all, we would take all those out because we would get such nice quality fruit on the inside. So, okay, well, I, I lost a big piece of it shade on it last okay. year from one of our storms and i'm trying to nurse it but uh i well, don't know if it's going to survive it, they, but it, i do it, get these shoots yeah let's uh, yeah. If, if that's the case what you want to do is thin those shoots out and leave some and let them become your new okay. branches okay and if you want to cut the other side of the tree back to balance it more you can do that you can do that right now okay yeah i've got a dish to a hibiscus that i'm hoping will help shade the trunk in that uh, you know, from the from the sun. Well, if it's that exposed, Dave, I'd go ahead and paint it or wrap it. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking my call. Have a nice day. Bye bye, uh, Jerry and Tolleson. Good morning, Jerry. Yeah. Good morning, Brian. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, say, uh, I would like to have you clarify a little bit more when you say I like fertilizing. Mm-hmm. Um. It could. Uh, I'm always afraid of being too light and not doing any good. Well, and, you um, know, and, and Jerry, that that's a real concern, you know, because you have to put enough fertilizer on to work, and and you know, it depends on what type of fertilizer you're using. But um, you know, when you, you know, a good example is our citrus trees. You know, most citrus trees are going to need like one to three pounds of nitrogen per year. Okay, and so when we buy a fertilizer, it's usually like sixteen percent, like a sixteen eight four or something like that. So we have to realize that a pound of nitrogen that's only sixteen percent. So a pound of that fertilizer is only sixteen percent nitrogen. So over the course of the year, we're going to be using about six pounds of that fertilizer to get our pound of nitrogen. But so. For us home gardeners. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, we had sprayed a a lawn with uh, with this uh, uh, weed be gone uh-huh. or contact herbicide, and, and we yeah we killed the. It seemed like we browned out the the Bermuda. The it was a hybrid Bermuda, and uh-huh. it seemed like the. Uh, like green that was trying to come back. Now it's browned out where we sprayed. And, uh, 
So I was having my helper pull down some fertilizer on it just to help, maybe. And I said, well, just put one green per square inch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not very much. (laughs) You know, that's not enough. No, that's certainly not enough. But no, when we're putting that, you know, fertilizer down, especially using like a 21714, you know, that's going to be a pretty fast acting fertilizer because part of it's made from ammonium nitrate. And then that's good for lawn. It's especially good for lawn this time of year. Yeah. And those lawn fertilizers are really well balanced. You could use them for a lot of other things. Um, but, you know, what's nice about most of those, they have a spreader setting on there for you, for your lawn spreader. Uh, you yeah, know, how much to put on. Putting it down by hand, you know. Yeah, well, you can throw it on like you're feeding chickens. But, you know, it's also when you get to feeding chickens, it's like making stew. You know, sometimes you put too much salt in it and you ruin it. You know, so yeah. it, it's putting down a little at a time and then tasting it, you know, and then maybe adding a little more if it's still needed. But if you put too much in, there's no saving it. Jerry, thanks for the call. Uh, Bobby and Gilbert, good morning bobby hey good morning brian i've got a bit of a different question today a close friend of mine opened a medical practice and of course you know with loans are a little short on funds so her waiting room is pretty bare it needs plants they have a north-facing window and that's it for life but i would like to go down to your nursery and purchase a plant that I can put indoors Okay, that will survive. I, and now I thought, actually, I could get some small citrus, but get two of them where I can keep them, one of them healthy here and then swap out every couple of months. Well, you probably but, have to do it more than that to keep a citrus happy indoors, uh, though it could be done. Um you know, you might be better off with just going with a Dracaena or, you know, something that's made for the indoors more <laughs> that we've already got acclimated. We have really cool rubber plants. You know, if you want something to be really pretty in there, we have some multiple colored rubber plants. They're just gorgeous, about six foot tall. And they're already acclimated, so they've already been grown in shade, you know, with about 80% shade when they came out of the greenhouse. And and those would be a lot easier than trying a citrus. Okay, well, that's a good start because I want to start with something big and then I'll add in smaller plants with um, different uh, leaves, you know, give it some. Well, texture and variety, sure, that makes things beautiful. Right, to make it really, really homemade. It's a family practice and they've already got a big fish tank, but only two little fish in it. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what happens to little fish? They grow into big fish, Bobby. I know. I know. In the, well, I never thought about a rubber plant. That's a great idea. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Bobby. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Well, it looks like Mr. Barrett snuck back in the studio again. We're going to take a short break, find out what's happened in the world. In the meantime, you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. For the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, we're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM, KTAR.
folks. Beautiful, uh, really pretty Sunday morning. And looks like we got uh, the lines are full. We better get right back to the phones. Uh, ben and Anthem. Hi, Ben. Hi, Brian. The uh, fire sticks that we have on the north side of our house are looking really, really good. And all of the fire sticks, front and backyard, uh, look just like poles. They used to have... They used to have extensions and on them, and, and now there's hardly anything. Are the birds coming to eat them? Or is, no, they is really don't eat fire sticks. Um, huh. In fact, I, you know, I, I don't know of anything that will eat fire sticks because they're pretty toxic. Um, if, right. they, if, they were, I, if they weren't toxic, the birds would devour them. You know, but that's yes. that's probably why okay. they you know, naturally have their toxicity. But it looks like something's actually eating them. It looks like something has come and just literally picked everything off because now all I have is just a, a big stalk and then sort of a crown on the top where there are some blooms, but nothing on the sides where they were before. Uh-huh. Hmm. So, so do you, do you have any pack out? rats around? I do have. You know, I think the pack rats are probably using them for nesting material. Uh, yeah, I've got quite a few of them. Yeah. We're trying to get rid of them. Should I take the plants out and just re put put something else in? Well, they'll they'll bud back out, and you can prune them back, and they'll come back and rebranch. So they'll they'll okay. do all that. I think you just have to get the pack rats. Okay. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Ben. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Janice and Gilbert. Hi, Janice. Hi, Brian. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking. Good. I'm glad I found your show. We are new to Arizona from Colorado and we have always moved in and the trees have been there and we go about our business. Well, we planted some new trees and I'm not sure if I'm watering correctly. I don't think I am. So, um, the first one I have is a, a gem magnolia uh-huh. and I don't know how often to water it. It's, it's about a 15 foot tree. You know, it's a, well, it's a big tree that we uh-huh. put in. Um, the other is a fruitless purple plum, and then we have a med palm. Okay. And I don't know if I'm overwatering. I think I'm underwatering. Well, you got a couple over- varieties. They're going to be a little tougher to grow, especially that little Jim Magnolia. Uh, little Jims just don't love it here. Is it in full sun? Yeah. Has it got lawn around it, or what's around it? Lawn around it. Okay, so that's going to be very helpful for it that it's in lawn. Okay. And how do you water the lawn? A sprinkler, um, you know, it's on a timer. And, and how often? Three do you times. Work? Oh, okay. Um, three times. A, we just started since it's getting hot. Uh-huh. Three times a day. We do like um, five minutes at six in the morning. Three minutes about, I think, one o'clock in the afternoon, and then um, three minutes, I think, at like six at night. Is your lawn brand new? No. Well. How long has it been Around planted? the jam it is because we had taken a tree out of there and we it was totally dead under there. So we put in new lawn, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'd say. But just a little patch of new lawn. So anyway, how you yeah. want to water your lawn is you want to put a capturing device out in your lawn, okay? That when you run your sprinklers, you can run it long enough for this thing to fill up. And what we really recommend is a tuna can because it's just kind of right dimensions. And put it out in your lawn and run your sprinklers until the tuna can's full of water. Okay. Then okay. shut the irrigation off on the lawn sprinklers and take a screwdriver out and push it in the ground like the next day and the next day. And you'll probably find that right now you'll be watering about once a week in Gilbert. Okay. Uh, the grass? Yeah, the grass. 
Oh, really? Okay. Okay. So, and so we, that's going to put the water down to a depth in, in Gilbert with clay soil about eight inches, but and that's going to be wet. It's going to stay wet, you know, for, for about a week. So keep pushing the screwdriver in when it's dry, then you could water again. Okay. On the trees, um, in Gilbert, because we have heavier soil, you know, typically uh-huh. we're going to water about once a week. Okay. Okay. And we want to get okay. the water down to a depth of a, on a bigger tree like that of about three to four feet. So okay. whatever it takes with your irrigation system, you know, that's that's okay. what I would recommend to do that. And and so that that should be the best watering, you know, kind of pattern for everything, really. That'll work for okay. the flowering plum. And then, I got some of those um, deep spike things, whatever they're called, uh-huh. where you put it in and then you put the hose in yep. so that we could get it deep down. Okay. Well, so it, 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 it takes a while for it to go deep down. So those are fine. You got your emitters running in those. But remember, you have to water from the top down, too. So not just to have all the water go in the spikes because okay. it's a new tree. It's going to have most of its roots are going to be in the top 18 inches. Okay. And, okay. and what size tree was it when you planted the magnolia? Like a 40-inch um, box? Well, I I would say, I, I'd say it's probably... 15, 12 to 15 feet tall. I mean, it's a very mature tree. Yeah, so that was in a big container. And, and then what yeah. I would do, too, is I would also follow up with whoever installed it for you uh, uh-huh. on, a, on a warranty basis, you know, so if, yeah, if they... I, well, we do have a warranty on it, but I'm surprised. I thought that, see, I researched, you know, online says everything, and I thought the Arizona, or the gem was good in Arizona. So no, the best surprised. magnolia for here is Dee Dee Blanchard. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, it's, it's there it's, now, it's, so I'll deal with it. Well, again. it's there now, and, and there are some around, but it's not as hardy as a DT Blanchard. In fact, it's not even as as, as hardy as a, a Grandiflora. Um, okay. But it's a pretty little tree, and you have a lot yeah. of advantages in the fact that it is in lawn and you are in Gilbert with heavy soil. So those things okay. are good for it's, you. Okay. It has tons of look like the buds that are ready to pop. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the time when they bloom. They well, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. but it's because the weather's been cool, but this is the time when they're going to bloom, so it'll probably bloom out really okay. pretty for you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, um, I appreciate... Oh, one last question on weeds. Mm-hmm. We have some rock dairy around the edges of the lawn, you know, out toward the sidewalks mm-hmm. and around some bottle brush, etc. The weeds are killing us. Okay, I'm so- afraid to put stuff on it because I don't want to damage the new plant. Well, just spray on, on the weeds. Use a contact herbicide, which is basically Roundup, okay, or glyphosate-like Roundup. Don't use anything oh, okay. that says it has a residual to it, okay? And okay. you can combine okay. that if you want to with a pre-emergent, and the pre-emergent will kill the seed and keep it from germinating, and the contact herbicide will kill the, what's there. Okay, so Roundup type thing. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Appreciate Janice. it very much. But they're, they're, but and and they're really making, enjoy the soap. Okay, they're making different formulas now, too, that aren't just pure Roundup. So glyphosate's the ingredient, but just regular Roundup, okay, or a regular okay. glyphosate-type product. Anything that, okay. anything that it says you're going to spray it on and it's going to control weeds for a certain period of time, don't use as far as a herbicide. And when we use a pre-emergent, okay. what you want to do is we use one, you know, it's going to be pendimethalin or something like that as far as the active ingredient. Okay. 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 All right. Thanks, Thank Janice. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Vicki and Tempe. Hi, Vicki. Hey, Brian. How are you today? Just having a beautiful morning here. Kind of happy, you know, the sun's out here. It's hard to beat. Yeah, we went to the um, Mesa Community College Rose Gardens this morning. It was beautiful. Oh, they do such a fantastic job over there. Unbelievable. 
My question is about Mexican poppies or primrose. Mm -hmm. When do you actually plant those so that they don't die? (laughs) Well, Mexican primrose you plant, it's a perennial. And it's a really, okay. it's a really nice plant, and uh, you so I can plant it now. Plant it right now. Okay. And it, it's a wonderful plant, so it stays for years. It, it doesn't go away. It dies. You know, it doesn't always bloom, so it gets back to where it's right. a real low kind of a spreading plant. But they are magnificent. One of my favorites. Yeah, I just love them, and so I just want to make sure it'd be okay to plant them now. Absolutely. All right, then I will do it. Thanks, Vicky. Bye bye. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have uh, Robert in Scottsdale. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Brian. Uh, question for you. Uh, my olive tree, I was late getting some uh, uh, reducer, uh, olive reducer on it. Mm-hmm. I did it last week. Um, it was in bloom, it looked like. I mean, I saw a lot of blooms on the ground. Um, doesn't look like it really I could get in there too well. Um, do you know of any other hacks that I could do, like maybe some ammonium sulfate on the top of the? Well, no, but, no, it, but if, if you've uh, so you're trying to you know prevent the bloom from setting fruit, right? Correct. Okay, well, it has to bloom for you to spray it, and I would think that with most of the trees here in the valley, last week would have been spraying at the perfect time. Yeah, that's when I sprayed it. Yeah, so I, I think you'll find that most of those blooms won't set. But I couldn't get deep in there, and I was just—I I mean, there's a ton of them on there, so I'm just—I don't want to be. I would just do a, olive oil. Well, I would do another follow-up spraying right now. Are the, are the fruit already set in there where you can see the fruit set? The blooms dropped on some of them. No, I haven't seen any fruit. Okay, so spray it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> get 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 a higher pressure sprayer and spray it again because right now you know you're right in the time to prevent that okay. fruit from setting, you know, and and so you really want to spray it again. And that's the only real way to stop them from fruiting. So spray it again right now, it doesn't hurt. And actually by spraying it two weeks you're catching maybe some new buds that weren't open, but with the weather that we're having right now, this is when they're going to be at their peak bloom, and that's when you have to spray it. So just spray it again, Robert, and yeah. I think you'll be pretty successful. Okay. I suppose trimming it, too, would also help, too, just cutting them right off. Robert, spray it. What? Spray I it. I will, I know. Okay. I hate, it. I hate getting on the ladder. <laughs> well, it's, get somebody else to come spray it for you, but, but I, spray I it. Tried, I tried. Believe me, I, I tried to get the earlier guys to come out in January, but nobody... Well, January doesn't work. Out. I mean, you have to spray it when it's well, in bloom. Well, I've I've been told that there's an early spray and then a later spray. They're saying. Well, main main thing you want to hit it's when they're in bloom, and I'm sure that you know if you're not seeing any little tiny balls on them yet, it's still in bloom. It's time to spray it. Just get yourself a high enough pressure sprayer and spray it. Okay. One more question. Uh, yes, grafting. Sir. Are you going to do that? Oh, I should. Huh? Your, it's about it's about class. it's about time, isn't it? Um, you know, I didn't yeah. I, I didn't announce it. Uh, yesterday so let's do it not next week but the week after and i'll do a grafting class cool which uh all of them i do them in all the stores yeah okay that's right yeah so we won't we won't go okay. next week and next week i'll make sure and announce on the air and if you don't hear me announce on there call me up say hey remind them about that grafting class and then we'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll okay hey we'll have a grafting class robert all right great all right thank you brian remember spray the olives <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> bye-bye <laughs> bye-bye 
Oh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Mohammed. But after Mohammed, we've got four open lines. The number to call 602 277 5827. 277 KTAR. I remember when I was a lad, times were hard and things were bad. But there's a silver lining behind every cloud. Just four people, that's all we were, trying to make a living out of Blacklander. But we'd get together in a family circle, singing loud. Daddy sang bass. Singing seems to help a troubled soul. One of these days, and it won't be long, I'll rejoin them in a song. I'm gonna join the family circle at the throne. No, the circle won't be broken By and by, Lord, by and by Daddy sing bass In the sky, Lord, in the sky Well, hard to beat Mr. Johnny Cash. Now Probably up there singing. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. I want to take a minute and invite you out to the stores. You know, the farms, the nurseries. That's what we do, folks. We grow trees right here in Arizona and have now since the 1940s for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. So this program is paid for by Whitfield Nursery, and we support it. We hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'd appreciate your patronage, and we have for years. So if you're looking for trees, any kind, we specialize in citrus, but we grow lots of palm trees, and we have lots of desert trees. Uh, pretty much if it's a tree and grow here, we probably grow them. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale with my grandparents' Adobe house right in the middle. We're over at uh, 820 North Cooper, Cooper Road and uh, Guadalupe and 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of Sky Harbor Airport, where we've been growing trees here for a long time and continue and have a lot of fun. Come out and see us. we got a friendly staff of family and, 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 and basically adopted family. And uh, we can deliver and plant and guarantee we're licensed, bonded, and insured. No jobs too big, none's too small. If you need 100 date palms, give us a call. We'll make you a deal. Uh, if you need a beautiful um, Mother's Day gift and you want to, you know, put in a lemon tree for mom, come out and see us. We can help you do that. We've got some great rose bushes right now that are in bloom that, uh, you know, I think mom would probably enjoy. Woodfield Nursery for four generations growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Mohammed and Chandler, good morning, Mohammed. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Excellent, sir. Good. Uh, I have two questions. One about my pomegranate tree and mm-hmm. one about my fig tree the pomegranate tree is doing good giving me good amount of fruit but the inside is kind of pinkish can i do anything to change the pinkish color to red no it's it's more the variety muhammad there's lots of different varieties of pomegranates there's probably 20 different ones here around town and some are darker than others um you know, and, and the most common one's wonderful. And it's not real dark red. It's kind of a light red. And, uh, yes. you know, leave it ripen as late as you can until into December and, and enjoy them. <laughs> okay. And how about fig tree? My fig tree, it is growing. It is a small, but it doesn't give me a good amount of fig. Uh, do you know what variety it is, Mohammed? I don't know. I have no idea. Are the figs large? No, it's just small. It's okay. small. Are, are they black when they're ripe? 
Yes. Okay, yes. so it's probably a black mission, which is the best variety. Um, you could feed it again once right now with cow manure, but if you take cow manure okay. and, and work it in around the tree and water it in real okay. well, it really does work magic with figs. Um, okay. And it, it's the one thing that I've seen with figs that makes a huge difference in their crop production. But if it's small and black, it's probably a black mission. So that's one of the best, most prolific varieties. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mohammed. Thanks for calling. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Carlos and Tempe. Good morning, Carlos. Yeah, hi, good morning, Brian. Um, I have a simple question. Last year, um, the supplier of my sod helped me fix my front yard um, to transition from rye to Bermuda, mm-hmm. and she really recommended um, ammonium sulfite. Sulfate. For, um, and so my question is, is that a... Is that a once a month kind of thing in the summer? Can well, I- the thing with ammonium sulfate is it doesn't last very long. It's twenty one percent nitrogen. It's it was relatively inexpensive in the past, but it um, you know it's just straight nitrogen. I would really recommend more to use like a twenty one seven fourteen. And okay. the difference is that's going to be a blend with urea and ammonium nitrate usually. But it also okay. has iron in it, and it also has sulfur in it. And uh, okay. long run, you know, the the cheapest, easiest, greenest thing is ammonium sulfate. Used to be ammonium nitrate, yeah. but then idiots started blowing things up with it. So ammonium, <laughs> well, I mean, there's, you know, it's a great fertilizer, right. you know. And it's great fun on a farm, but it, you know, whenever you're going to go kill people with it, it's, it's, it shouldn't be, you know, sold, and it's not. So, um <laughs> No, oh, it just okay. it doesn't make any sense. So the twenty one seven fourteen is probably the best lawn fertilizer you're going to buy, as far as balance okay. and, and usage. And you know, re- follow the label. But realistically, on Bermuda grass, if you want it to be you know lush, lush green and grow fast, you're going to feed it about every six weeks. Okay, I understand. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carlos. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Uh, next, James and Mesa. Hi, James. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing today? Oh, just enjoying the beautiful weather and, and looking at my sunny slope mountains. It is beautiful out, isn't it? It is. A quick question, just on fruit trees like uh, apples, pear, or apples and apricots and peaches. Do you need to protect the trunks on on young trees like you do citrus? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yes. To shade them with a cloth or something. Well, wrap them with a, a towel or you know, like a beach towel or piece of cardboard. Okay, and you do that until they've got a big enough canopy to shade themselves? Yes, and typically within two years, they'll just push the wrap off by themselves. You know, we use a plastic wrap when we plant our citrus groves, and the trees will push it off within two years. So so the apricot trees and them, you you have to protect those trunks also? Yeah, it's just a good idea. Because they they can get, they just get overheated and sunburned when they're young, and then when they get a big enough canopy, they're shaded. I see. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Bye-bye. You know, it's fun looking out the mountains here in Sunny Slope. Uh, I can, we could, there's this kind of thing coming up right now, but I can remember when they were going to build a set of apartments up above our house. And uh, my mother and Jackie Westfield, uh, they went they went wild, started this little group and, and started hanging out. And the next thing you know, we had the Phoenix Mountain Preserve going. And it's sure fun enjoying all these beautiful mountains we have surrounding us here at the studio and, and around the valley. And, uh, you know, thanks to a lot of concerned people that enjoyed them. Now, my friend Dr. Shimbab said we should build our houses all in the mountains and saved our farm ground down in the valley. So there's there's always a different theory and a different thought. But 
We'll, we'll be thankful for the way it ended up. It really is pretty. Um, Joyce and Scott and Nancy, I'll take you guys all off the off the air because we're going to run out of time. And I hope you all enjoy the, the show here and being part of the program and the beautiful state we live in, the wonderful world, and all the kind people. But uh, we've got to work together to preserve it. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do that make a difference. If you've got that SRP water, put in an extra irrigation. Bring it right back here into town. Wash out your salts. Help your own yard. Help recharge in the valley. And as we water, water correctly, water deeply. You know, and as we enjoy these mountains around town, be thankful for the people who are thoughtful enough to uh, do the mountain preserve projects. You know, and let's let's keep the outdoor areas. And, you know, there didn't used to be trails on the mountains. We used to drive our trucks, but now we hike. Anyway, have a nice weekend.